Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Josh, and we're your farm management hosts. Let's get started. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. And that includes you too, Josh. How is the new year going for you? Are you a New Year's resolution type of guy? Or do you just kind of live your best life every day, 365? Well, Bruce, when thinking about New Year's, there's definitely some things that comes to mind is trying to lose some of this weight that I've gained. Not necessarily that I've gotten really big. I want to turn all this fat that I've made into muscle. Sitting at this desk, I'm not getting all that active anymore. So I definitely need to start moving and getting more active. How about you, Bruce? I hope to have you know ongoing goals for each year personally and professionally I, I think it's not a really a resolution type of effort it's more goal setting and I think that's important maybe you know for me but maybe our listeners too and sometimes maybe resolutions are easy to dismiss maybe but maybe a goal is more in that management realm and maybe we can stick to a goal maybe more so than a maybe a resolution that sometimes our friends and family say it's okay to just blow off your resolutions that's how I'm going to approach the 2024 year. I like that mindset, Bruce. That definitely makes sense. Creating goals instead of doing New Year's resolutions. I know whenever I make my plans to do things, I write them down and I get to cross them off. It just feels like I get to be more successful when I cross that goal off. But one of the other New Year's resolutions that I'm thinking about is how do I avoid risk? How can I minimize risk? Risk is one of those things that's hard to gauge because whenever we leave our house, we expose ourselves to hundreds of thousands of risk. So our guest today is Cody McCann. Cody McCann has been employed by the USDA Risk Management Agency for over 10 years. In his current role, he oversees the policy language for livestock policies as well as hemp and mint. Cody currently lives just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. It says here, go Chiefs. I didn't write it. Who day? He received his bachelor's in animal science with an ag business minor from Missouri State University in Springfield. Cody grew up on and still helps out with his family's registered limousine cattle seed stock operation in Southern Missouri. Welcome, Cody. So Josh, we have a kind of a two for one. We got two Cody's here today. So we're going to have to separate these two guys and kind of differentiate their two expertise because next up we have Cody Leverkamp. Cody has been with Risk Management Agency for seven years. Cody currently works in the underwriting standards branch, works on the rainfall index and also the livestock programs. He earned a BA in agriculture business from the University of Central Missouri. Prior to RMA, Cody grew up on a farm in West Central Missouri, raising corn, soybeans, beans beef and swine on the family farm where he is still actively involved. So welcome, Cody's. Glad you are on board with us today. Thank you and happy new year to everybody. Yeah, thanks for having us. Cody, there's some terminology that we want to start with on the front end here because there's maybe some letters that are going to be grouped together in our discussion today. LRP, DRP, gross margin. We'll hear about that a little bit later. Can you break those down for us on the front end here a little bit? With the government, we like to use acronyms. I don't know if, if there's any listeners out there that have some military experience. We know that even in military, we like to use acronyms. So to stay consistent with all the other government agencies out there, we use a lot of acronyms for crop insurance purposes too. And so when you hear LRP, as you will later on, LRP stands for Livestock Risk Protection Program. LGM is for Livestock Gross Margin. DRP is acronym for the Dairy Revenue Protection Program. And then PRF stands for the Pasture Rangeland and Forage Program. All right. So we'll go ahead and just dive right on in. So Cody McCann, who's eligible for the livestock insurance policy? For any of the livestock insurance policies that RMA offers, anyone that has a ownership interest in livestock and primarily is a citizen of the U.S., there's a few exceptions to that, is eligible to purchase a policy. Cody, tell us a little bit more about what livestock are eligible for coverage. 
So RMA has policies available for feeder cattle, fed cattle, swine, and dairy and dairy products. Cody, when talking about insurance coverage for livestock producers, what options do they have? There's actually a few options out there for producers. We have the Livestock Risk Protection Program, the Livestock Gross Margin Program, and the Dairy Revenue Protection Program. And those are the programs that specifically relate to livestock. We also have the Pasture Rangeland and Foraging and Forage Programs, which are rainfall index programs that producers can also utilize in conjunction with the livestock programs. And, you know, we've made a lot of changes uh, over the last few years to the livestock programs, uh, specifically LRP, LGM, and DRP prior to the 2018 bipartisan budget act we had a 20 million dollar capacity limitation that applied to the livestock program so it really limited how much participation we had with those livestock programs in previous years but once congress passed that it removed that 20 million dollar capacity enabled us to make a lot of changes one of the big ones is expanding the head limits also increased the head limits and then a big change that we made for the lrp feeder cattle program is to allow coverage for unborn livestock Cody, the coverage can protect producers from drops, uh, I think, in market prices or protect against the loss in the gross margin. Can you explain how that works for the livestock grower? Yeah, so just kind of a, a high level overview of that, the, the livestock gross margin for dairy producers, cattle producers, and swine producers, it takes into account the cost of the feed stuff that it takes to, to grow those animals or to produce milk under the dairy program. And then at the end of that, it looks at the margin. So it'll take into the into account the cost of those feed stuffs, as well as the, the market value of the animal that you're, you're raising or the milk that you're raising. For livestock risk protection, LRP is available for feeder cattle, fed cattle and swine producers and livestock risk protection is probably one of the most simple programs that we have at rma you know and it's available to livestock producers in, in every state out there same for to back up a little bit it's the same for livestock gross margin too livestock gross margin is available in every state for livestock producers but going back to lrp the lrp program to put it simple is just a price floor on your livestock again it's one of the more simple programs that we have at rma and it is probably the most widely used livestock program that we have available available for producers because it is so simple and, and because it is as simple as it sounds, it is just a price risk policy, price risk policy putting a putting a price floor on your insured animals. How does a livestock risk protection policy work exactly? As I mentioned before, the livestock risk protection policy is available for feeder cattle, fed cattle, and swine. And as I mentioned before, it, it's as simple as a price for or, or just saying it's a price risk policy. Indemnities in the program are based on the expected price minus the actual price. And so for LRP, we do have daily offers, meaning that LRP is available every single day for a producer to come in and purchase coverage every day except for the weekends. So producers do have that flexibility to come in and purchase LRP coverage coverage each day. If they already have a crop insurance agent, a lot of the crop insurance agents out there do sell LRP. So just like you would go in and sign up for your typical crop insurance policy, you would come in and meet with your crop insurance agent and sign up for coverage under LRP. One of the key differences is that you can take out coverage each day for any new livestock that you purchase. You can only have one endorsement per set of livestock. So once you insure the livestock one time, you're not able to take out another endorsement on those livestock, but it does enable a producer such as a backgrounder that's buying calves at the local auction barn to take out coverage as soon as they purchase those calves at the auction barn. And again, they can do that each day for each set of cattle that they buy. There is subsidy 
available for those endorsements. So subsidy ranges from 35% to 55%, depending on the coverage level. And, you know, one of the great things about the livestock risk protection program is we do have very high coverage levels. So a producer can almost insure 100% of the expected price on those animals that they're wanting to insure. So that is one of the great benefits of the livestock risk protection program. As far as endorsement lengths goes for LRP, endorsement lengths range from 13 weeks to 52 weeks. So we do occasionally put out offers for producers to purchase up to a year out. When I say occasionally, there are some actuarial restraints that that are that go on behind the scenes when it comes to livestock risk protection offers. So it's possible that not every day there will be a certain weekly range in there available for purchase. And again, that's because this is a crop insurance program. So there are actuarial restraints that go on behind the scenes that sometimes prevents certain offers from going out. So the Livestock Risk Protection Feeder Cattle Program, there are a couple options within that program. So there are two weight ranges for producers to use. They have anywhere from 100 to 599 pounds to insure in the first weight class, and then 600 pounds up to 1,000 pounds for the second weight class. Now that is specific to the feeder cattle program. One of the key things that is interesting, and I think most producers will find useful for the Livestock Risk Protection Program is the fact that we now offer coverage for unborn livestock, and that is available for the cow-calf producers as well as the swine producers. So that allows a, like a cow-calf producer, for example, to take out a endorsement endorsement coverage, LRP coverage on those calves while the cows are in P1, P2, P3. So if during that time period, a producer sees that one of the offers that the price is right for them right now for the coverage that they want, they can go ahead and take out coverage on those unborn feeder cattle based on these new program changes that we rolled out. And so that was a huge flexibility within the LRP program that gives a lot of usefulness to the program for cow-calf producers. And again, that is also available for swine producers that have a sow operation that where they take the pigs from gestation all the way through finishing. So they can do the same thing on their swine operation and, and uh, take out coverage for those unborn pigs as long as they have an insurable interest in the sow operation itself. Cody, let's do a dairy example. So a dairy producer also have coverage to, to help protect them from, you know, let's say decline in the revenue from milk sales. How does that work for the dairy producer? Dairy producers, you know, they have a couple options. Like I mentioned before, there is the livestock gross margin product for the dairy producers, but there's also the dairy revenue protection program. And dairy revenue protection is a relatively new program compared to the other livestock programs. You know, the other livestock programs have really been around since the early to mid 2000s, but DRP has come on board here just within the last few years. And we've seen DRP come out kind of firing on all cylinders. We've had a really high participation level for the dairy revenue protection program. And so dairy revenue protection is just as the, the name implies, it is a revenue protection policy for dairy producers. It takes into account state level or regional level milk yields as well as milk prices. So it's not directly tied to a producer's revenue on their operation, but it is a area revenue protection policy. So while it's not actually measuring anything directly on the dairy producer's operation, it, it does look at the state or regional level yields or prices. There are two pricing options under the dairy revenue protection program. So producers can kind of tailor the dairy revenue protection program to their own operations. So under the DRP program, you have the class price option that looks at class three and class four milk, as well as the component price option looks at the butterfat protein and other solids. So again, a, a dairy producer can look at this program and kind of tailor their coverage specifically to how they're producing their milk. Now, 
with these flexibilities, a producer is able to take out coverage up to five quarters out. So under LRP, while you're looking at a endorsement under DRP, you're looking at quarterly coverage. So we're not looking at a specific end date like under LRP, we're looking at a full quarter. So producers, again, can take out coverage up to five quarters out, which enables them to basically take out coverage more than a year outside of the day that they sign up for the program. DRP is like LRP and the fact that there are daily sales. One of the key differences with DRP versus LRP is that that sales cutoff time is 9 a.m. in the morning the following day of the sales. So if you take out coverage on a Monday afternoon, your coverage would have to be submitted to the AIP or to the crop insurance agent by 9 a.m. the following morning. That's different from LRP and the fact that LRP has a cutoff time of 8.25 a.m. Subsidy is available under the Dairy Revenue Protection Program from 44% to 55%, depending on the coverage level that you select. And then one of the, the key things with DRP is the fact that at the end of your at the end of your quarterly coverage period, you are required to market at least 85% of the insured milk. So there is a requirement that a producer submit records at the end of it to verify that they did market at least 85% of the milk that they had insured under the program. So I keep hearing the term gross margin policy. How does this gross margin policy work? So the livestock gross margin products are available for dairy producers, cattle producers, and swine producers. I kind of highlighted this a little bit earlier, but the key thing with livestock gross margin products is that it takes into account the cost of the feedstuffs to produce the animal or the milk. And then also, like when you're looking at LGM cattle, for instance, it does take into account the cost of actually purchasing feeder cattle to feed those cattle out in a finishing operation. So LGM is a little bit different, like LRP, feeder cattle, and fed cattle. LRP feeder cattle is looking at more of like producers that are feeding cattle out up to 600 pounds, whereas LGM cattle is looking at a finishing style operation. But to continue on with livestock gross margin, livestock gross margin is also a little bit different from DRP and LRP in the fact that livestock gross margin is only available once per week. So livestock gross margin offers come out on Thursday afternoons and continue until 8.25 or 9 a.m., depending on the program, uh, the following morning. And so, again, you know, that is one of the key differences that livestock gross margin is only available once per week versus being a daily offer like it is under DRP or LRP. And the subsidy ranges from 18% to 50% for the livestock gross margin products. One of the other differences with the livestock gross margin products is that we don't really have coverage levels, we have deductibles. And so it's set up a little bit different. While it's kind of the same general idea, the fact is we don't have coverage levels under livestock gross margin, but we do have deductibles. Now the prices for LGM are based on the simple averages, uh, the CME futures contract daily settlement prices, and are not based on the prices that a producer actually receives on the market. So again, similar to to LRP and DRP. It's not based on what happens on your own operation, but it's based on either the CME price or a national price based on the policy. So let me do a follow-up question there on the gross margin policy. You mentioned if I have feedstuff, am I submitting my receipts as a producer? Where does that feedstuff cost come into play? No, sir. It doesn't take into account your own feedstuffs. So it takes into account corn. So it looks at corn, soybean meal. And so when you look at these programs, the livestock gross margin program, there's different ratios that you'll see within the 
policy documents to adjust basically, but generalize it because there are so many variables as far as feedstuffs that producers are feeding to their animals, anywhere from corn silage to rileage, baleage, or DDGs, something like that. So it generalizes it more to just corn and soybean meal. Like I said, for LGM cattle, it does take into account the cost of the feeder cattle that you purchase to put into your feedlot operation. But more generally, it just looks at corn and soybean meal. Cody, earlier you mentioned the pasture rangeland forage program. Can producers use the pasture rangeland and forage program with other livestock programs? Absolutely. Yeah, kind of like I highlighted earlier, you know, PRF, the Pasture Rangeland and Forage Program, is available for producers to use in conjunction with these policies if they have, you know, perennial hay acres or pasture acres. The, the thing is about the PRF program, it, it is specifically for perennial forages. It is not for like your annual forage crops. We do have another annual forage program that uses the same rainfall index policy, but it's in a very select few states for the pilot area, which is not available for producers in Ohio, but the PRF program is available. And again, it provides protection for those perennial forages. Now it utilizes a rainfall index grid precipitation data set from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Climate Prediction Center. And that is the only cause of loss under the PRF program is a lack of precipitation based on that precipitation data set from NOAA CPC. It doesn't measure actual rainfall on a producer's operation. It is strictly based off of the precipitation data from NOAA CPC. And so that is one thing that we do get questions on from producers is, you know, whether or not it takes into account a rain gauge that a producer has on their farm. And, and this doesn't. It does use a minimum of four reporting stations. So it's not always directly tied to one specific weather station within a producer's grid, but it uses a minimum of four weather stations. And we see, you know, typically in a lot of places it uses anywhere from six weather stations all the way up to 20. So it can really be dependent on the location of the producer's farm. And we typically see out east that there are more weather stations just because there is more population out there. But with that program, a producer can ensure any of their pasture or hay acres. We do have two intended uses based on that. So you have the intended use of grazing and the intended use of haying. With the intended use of grazing, the, the coverage is based on your ownership of the livestock that are on those acres. So if there's a if there's a landowner out there that is leasing out their acres to a cow-calf producer, that loan, landowner would not be able to participate in the PRF program unless they had their lease set up on a share type basis to where potentially, you know, they're getting a share of the calf crop in order to pay for that lease. So in that situation, there is options for that landowner to participate in the program if they are setting up their leases on some type of share situation. Now, with the PRF program, there are 11 two-month intervals available during the crop year for producers to pick coverage. And so those two-month intervals start in January and go all the way to the end of December. And just one quick example of what a two-month interval looks like. The intervals start with January so the first interval would be January, February, and the next would be February, March. So there is some overlap there. And one clarification on that is that a producer can't actually participate in both January and February, March. They can only do one or the other because essentially if you would allow a producer to utilize both those intervals, they would have overlapping coverage in the month of February. So we do limit a producer to pick only one 
interval so that one interval per overlapping month so that there is not that overlapping coverage for that one particular month. So with PRF, we always recommend producers to pick intervals that are most representative of when precipitation is important for forage growth. So for most of us in the Midwest, the months from you know March, April, all the way till August, September, or September, October are the most important months within our growing season to have precipitation that impacts our forage crops the most. And so, you know, we always recommend to a lot of producers to pick, you know, maybe two intervals in the spring months, such as March, April, and then May, June, and then maybe another interval in the fall when you're hoping to get that fall precipitation to impact your your fall forage growth. So maybe August, September. And again, if producers can pick any of those 11 two-month intervals as long as they don't have overlapping months in there. Another benefit with the PRF program is that there is a productivity factor. So the, the value per acre that the PRF policy establishes is based on an area. So for your area, if you think your forage growing on your particular farm is a higher or lower value compared to what that county-based value is per acre, that productivity factor allows you to adjust your coverage or your your value per acre all the way up to 150%, or you can drop it down to 60% of what that county-based value is. So we have some pretty good flexibilities there within the PRF program to help you get your coverage to the level that is most representative of what you have growing on your farming operation. There is subsidy available under the PRF program, anywhere from 51% to 59%. And again, you know, there is flexibility there within the program to to pick coverage levels anywhere from 70% to 90% to allow a producer to adjust the affordability of the coverage for their operation. Because we realize even though you can go all the way up to 90% coverage level, not every producer wants to pick coverage at that level because it, it does tend to be a little bit more expensive than coverage under the 70%. So these products, are they available through crop insurance agents? Why are they through crop insurance agents? So the federal crop insurance program is administered through a public-private partnership. So the federal government oversees the program, sets all the terms and conditions, but has entered into a reinsurance agreement with a variety of private companies. And through their insurance agent representatives is how you would obtain a policy. So it sounds like, Cody, this is farm bill stuff. Sounds like this is a title. I think we talk about the titles of the farm bill, commodities being crop insurance being one of the titles. Is that where this funding is coming from? Is our current or continuing farm bill legislation? The federal crop insurance, and one, I'm not 100% sure I want to go into that, but the the federal crop insurance program is actually authorized with special language that we have such sums as necessary to operate the federal crop insurance program with funding specifically designated in annual appropriations for people, things like that. But the program itself operates under such sums as necessary. So if a producer has a loss or anything like that, there's basically an infinite bank of money to pay those losses. And that includes livestock, not just crop? Yeah, that would also be livestock producers. Okay, okay. So how does a producer find an agent? You mentioned that public-private relationship. How does a, a producer find an agent? There are multiple ways, but one way is on our website, rma.usda.gov. There's a bar at the top of the website with tools as a drop down. If you click on tools, there's an agent locator tool right there that you just type in where you live and a search radius about how far you want to go out, and it will show you all the agents in that area. 
One thing I forgot to mention, public-private partnership. One thing to note is the federal government is setting the terms and conditions of all the policies. No matter which insurance company or agent you go through, you're going to get the exact same offer. That's great to know, Cody, because that's true with crop insurance. And so, you know, why do we choose one insurance agent over another? It's maybe about location or service that we get from that agent, knowing that we have similar prices. So we don't have to shop this around is what I hear you saying, Cody. Exactly. If producers need more information on these products, where can they go to get more information? A great first step to obtaining more information is to locate an agent. An agent can give them detailed information about how a program would work for their specific operation and really help advise them on which program and which options within that program would best suit their needs. Well, Cody's, I think this has been a very helpful, informative, maybe a first start for some of our listeners just to know that there are more insurance options out there for livestock producers. They have different policies and coverage types that we've described today. And really the USDA, the Risk Management Agency, RMA, has a very nice website on there. So Cody's, Cody Leverkamp, Cody McCann, thank you very much for being our guest today and hope you have a great new year, gentlemen. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening today. For more information about farm management tips, be sure to check out the farm office at farmoffice.osu.edu.